Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. Well, hello, everyone. I'm so glad you're here, and I mean, what a powerful day already. <clears throat> I almost lost my voice there. Uh, in that, but today is very special in that we are jumping back into our Testify series. If you were not here to, uh, last week, it's totally okay because we record everything. And you can go back on our YouTube channel and watch part one because it's actually a real lead up to today. I'm going to do a quick recap, but it really will help you, uh, I believe. And we, we broke down Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 through 11, and there's an often quoted scripture in here. Let me just say, there's an often misquoted scripture in there, uh, verse 11, in that people do not quote the whole thing. So we're going to quote the whole thing. We're going to read the whole Bible, and then the whole thing, and we're going to jump to that second slide. It's this, you've heard this before, that they overcame the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and that's where people put a period. And they're like, the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony. That's not what the Bible says. I love you enough to tell you, you, you keep reading after the comma. I went to English class. A period with a tail on it means you're not done yet. Anybody else? Is, can someone testify that that is how you use a comma? Oh, okay. For they love not their lives unto death. New King James says they, and they love not their lives even unto death. Meaning, they were willing to die for this thing. That to live is Christ, to die is gain. I said it last week. I don't have a death wish, but you can't threaten me with heaven. You really can't. Like, don't threaten me with a good time, bro. Like, whatever. Like, what are you going to do? You know? That's the attitude. That's the boldness required. And the whole purpose of this Testify series is to raise up overcomers. Say overcomers. You're called more than an overcomer. You're called more than a conqueror. That's who you're called to be, but it's not who we're always acting like. Amen? Amen? And this idea of overcoming the enemy is so amazing that you get invited into the process of throwing the enemy down. Come on. How does it feel to know that your testimony has a part to play in overthrowing, overcoming the enemy? Like throwing him down, making him pay I make him pay for the little, the tiny little bit of real estate that he has, which is right here. I don't know if you can see this on the live stream. It's in a close shot. That's where the enemy lives. He lives right there, and I make him pay dearly. Florida's a very expensive place to live, and I make sure he knows. Okay? Come on, somebody. The devil's paid today. After our first gathering, uh, somebody came and gave their life to Jesus right here at this altar because of this testimony. He's paying. He's paying. For all his mistakes. He done messed up by messing with us. Because the Lord has invited his people. I, I need you to get this. The Lord has invited his people into partnering with him in defeating the enemy. God could have just done it. Could have just done it. And it is finished. Amen. Jesus did all the heavy lifting. Don't get it twisted. All right. Hello. But there's a reason that this is how we overcome. There's a reason that he said this is the plan. The blood of the lamb, Jesus' sacrifice, the forgiveness of sins, the releasing from the dominion of sin. You're forgiven of sin and set free from sin. You can't preach forgiveness of sin without freedom from sin and still preach the gospel. 
okay? So they're both required. Again, both and. Amen? Amen? So that's the blood of the Lamb. But the word of your testimony about the blood of the Lamb. Your personal. That's what he did for everyone. But what did he do for you? Right? And they loved not their lives unto death. They were bold proclaimers of that story. Okay? This Testify series is all about raising up overcomers. I have a definition for you. An overcomer is one who boldly proclaims their history with God, inviting others into his story as well. That's what it is, right? Yeah. An overcomer is a storyteller. That's right. A storyteller who boldly proclaims their history with God, inviting others into his story as well. That's what's required to be an overcomer. Amen? And it's right out of that verse. Do you see this? Does this make sense? Okay, and so last week I preached on that exhaustively, somewhat. Uh, you can go back and watch that. But today we get the privilege of hearing some testimonies. And we're going to hear a couple in this gathering. We had two other ones uh, in the 9 a.m. I asked for their permission. We are going to publish the YouTube uh, clip of the 9 a.m. Uh, message portion uh, so that you'll be able to hear Sebastian and Kimberly's testimonies as well. They were powerful, and someone gave their life to the Lord because of it. So, you know, make sure to go back and watch that. We're going to publish both this week. It's going to be great. Uh, but I just felt like we should do get as many as we can, okay? And we're going to do even more next week, all right? And it actually came from, the idea came from when I was on a plane uh, to New York. Well, actually, when I got to a conference in New York, a, a leader's conference, a pastor's conference, I got there not knowing what it would be like. I was going on faith just because the Lord told me to go. You know, I'm on this obey quickly. Whatever the Lord says, obey quickly. And so I went kind of blindly, and I get there, and to my shock, the entire conference, they said at the very first session, this entire conference is going to be testimonies, the whole thing, testimonies of the Lord and what he has done. 12 minutes each, that's what we're going to do. They taught for 10 minutes out of the whole conference. The rest was 12-minute testimony after 12-minute testimony after 12-minute testimony. Some of them did not obey the time limit, but... About 80% of them did. I was thankful for that. You know, but long isn't always spiritual. Long is just long. That's a, that's a Dan McCollum quote, I think. Uh, so, you know what I mean? And it was so invigorating for me. And it it's, did something to me to value the testimony. It, it brought a new value and a, a new appreciation for the testimony to my heart. Okay? And I'm telling you, I left that conference more invigorated, more inspired, more encouraged and equipped than I've left any other leaders conference ever. Ever, okay? It was amazing. I did not expect all that and a bag of chips, all right? It was amazing. So my hope for you today is we don't have enough time to do, you know, 14, 12-minute testimonies, but we're going to do a couple, okay? And the whole, uh, the beauty of this is that we're giving you an outline. I want you to see it displayed. I want you to be able to take it with you. And at that conference, the very first person to testify was actually an evangelist. His name is Mike Rosas, and he got an outline from the Lord as to how to frame up your testimony, how to share it. Because I'm not really into scripts. That's not my gig. Your story is not my story. Hallelujah. Right? Come on. But it's all his story, and you should be sharing. But not all of us know how. We've had a pretty, uh, really pretty bad track record in the church as far as effectiveness in sharing our, our evangelism efforts. You know, it's, if you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven or hell? And listen, if you got saved that way, praise God. I'm, God can do it however he wants. But it says some are saved by the fear of the Lord. Keyword, some. So scaring people into heaven 
It's just not my deal. That's not how I feel anointed or skilled, all right? Neither one, all right? I would rather say, you know what? There's a rescuer for you. Do you have pain? I know someone who can take you out of it. Instead of hanging the ultimate pain in front of them, what about the hell they're going through right now? What if heaven were available in this moment? Come on, somebody. I'm not preaching today. I'm not doing that. Stop. Stop. All right. So this was so refreshing to me to get this outline from him. And I asked him, he emailed, we've been emailing back and forth. He has a book coming out, so please look for that. Mike Rosas, it's called Storytellers, I think the name of it is. But we're going to share the storyteller outline, okay? I'm going to share this very quickly. You need to go back and watch last week. I talked about this in depth, okay? Storyteller outline, we're going to put it on the screens for you. Number one, part one, is your worst. Your worst. You want to start with that moment where you needed something. Okay, that time where you are not okay. This isn't the main part of the story, but it is the first part because it creates a connection point with the listener. Okay, because there's two kinds of people on the planet, those who are healing from pain and those who are not healing from pain. Everybody is in pain. You know the one commonality in this room? All y'all got pain. All of y'all. You want to raise your hand and say you never experienced any pain? Go ahead. We will rebuke you for lying and then pray for you. Please, any, any takers? Oh, yeah. Everybody's got pain, amen? So this is the connection point. Like, listen, this was my worst. Second part is God's best. What came in? The intersection of your worst and his salvation, his rescue. And it might be your salvation moment, or it might just be a time where he came in and delivered you from something. Both are amazing. Both are amazing, amen? So God's best. Part three is the culmination. That's the fruit. That's what came because of it. What changed in your life because your worst met God's best? What was the result, right? And I said it last week. I'll say it again. I don't mean this in a harsh way, but I do mean it sincerely. If nothing has changed in your heart, I'd argue you've not met Jesus yet. If there's never been a change inside, you have not met my Jesus. I don't know what Jesus you met. Okay, but when you meet the real king of glory, there's an automatic change. When you give yourself to him, when it's real, something changes. I'm not talking about your stewardship or your, your maturity or your process. I'm talking about something's different in there, and I can't change it back. Irreversible change has happened, and I didn't do it to me. I met someone, and something changed. So if you've never had that, don't leave today without one, thinking you're saved. I'm getting bold, y'all. Like, watch out. I don't care. I'd rather offend you out of hell than comfort you right through it. Okay? I'm not preaching today. I have to hurry. All right. That's part three. Do you get it? Part four. This is the most important part. Say the most important part. This is the ask. Because we're not sharing our story just to impress people. We're sharing our story to impact their hearts. There needs to be an impact. Right? And this is where you leverage everything you just said, your worst, God's best, the culmination, to make an invitation for others to know him as well. This is where you ask them into the kingdom. And let me help you. That's the scariest part, but it gets a lot easier if you do all this lead up. It gets a lot easier. Amen? Can you see how that would work? Yeah? Awesome. So today, using this outline, we're going to do a little interview style and have a couple people share their testimony. So Daniel, Pastor Daniel, our amazing youth pastor, AV leader extraordinaire, can you bring up these chairs for me? And would you all invite another Daniel, Daniel Rothrock, to the stage to share his story? Come on. 
Here you go, my friend. Do you know how to use one of those? He's actually running sound today, so he's <laughs> serving. And yeah, thank you so much for coming up here and sharing with us and uh, just letting us in to what happened. So how would you answer the question, what was your worst? What would you say to that? Well, first of all, good morning. I'm so used to seeing from the back of the their back. <laughs> now I get to see the front. So um, I told this story in, in the Jesus Lab, and, you know, to, to get to my worst, you have to kind of understand some context. And so I grew up in a, uh, a, a rough time. I, I've experienced a lot of trauma. Um, single mom, welfare, affordable housing, food stamps, drugs, alcohol, all part of my life. By age five, I had seen somebody get stabbed. Uh, I had my house broken into multiple times. I had my personal things stolen in that process. Multiple boyfriends coming in and out of our lives. A lot of stuff that a five-year-old to 10-year-old shouldn't see. And <clears throat> I remember at a young age sitting in the back of a car and just praying to God for an exchanged life. I wanted to start over. I didn't know God. You know, a five-year-old five normally doesn't have a relationship necessarily with God, and certainly in the atmosphere and the ecosystem I was being grown up in, God wasn't present. But someone somewhere had invested in me already at that young age, and I remember vividly praying to God. Wow. So leading through middle school, I lived with my mom. Uh, you know, she, she unfortunately ha had a drug addiction. She was an alcoholic. Uh, she had a lot of things going on, you know. Um, seeing that now, I understand, but then you don't. Yeah. Um, it's tough as a child. And um, I ended up having to walk out of, on my mom, wow. which was one of the hardest things I ever did because she, was, she came home after a binger one night and tried to force me to leave from North Carolina at the time to, to drive across Colorado because she was ready to throw it all away. Wow. And I, I stood up for the first time against her. And she How old were you at this point? I'm sorry. Middle school, seventh, wow. seventh grade. Seventh grade. And I, uh, she physically tried to hit me, wow. you know, and, and thankfully she didn't, um, but I walked out. And also thankfully I, I had a grandmother that took me in that had been kind of the rock at the time took me in and I lived with her uh, through high school. So freshman year in college, I get a call. Um, unfortunately, my mom had passed away. She, she overdosed. Oh, sorry. And I didn't get that call until actually two days after the fact. And all of the emotions that you can imagine that a child just takes in, processes, shoves down. I, I didn't, I wasn't ever able to process those with her because she was gone. And it took a very, very long time to do that. Uh, it was probably five years before I could even witness the fact that I wanted help and then spend another 10, 15 years trying to go through that process. Six years later, I lost my dad who really wasn't a part of my life. Um, but lost him to cancer that was most likely attributed to also drugs and alcohol. Um, saying all that, just because 
obviously I had a calloused heart. I had... What does that mean? Can you just explain a calloused heart? Growing up, I was always known to be a sensitive kid. And I had, a, I had some people in my life trying to tell me that I needed to be something else. And I gave in to that lie. <clears throat> it was, <clears throat> I mean, I, I knew that I did not belong in that space. But I continued to believe the lie. And it took me almost 40 years to, to finally say that's not who God designed me to be. Wow. And um, so... I met my wife in college, and, uh, you know, of course, like... That's her. Many... Uh, She's awesome. Like many marriages, of course, ups and downs. But I was continually, continually to lead from this space that I, I wasn't really designed to be in. I, had, right, I hadn't, right. hadn't spent the time to go back and unravel some things that I really needed to focus on. And so my worst was actually not pre-relationship with God. It, it was post. It was after I had accepted God in my life, but I wasn't doing the things that God had designed me to do. That's so crucial. Thank you for sharing that, because I think a lot of people think it has to be some wham, bam, big one prayer thing. It wasn't for you. Yeah. It was way after that. Right? Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. So, um, so that moment of your worst, it culminates in how are you feeling in that moment, just in uh, two or three sentences, like just describing the state of Daniel. You mentioned the calloused heart. But. Yeah, I mean, it, I was trying to self-preserve. I was okay. trying to protect my broken heart. And it had, wow. if anyone had ever seen it, I was too afraid that any, anyone would judge me differently. Right. Right. I was so scared of that, that judgment and feeling like I was going to let somebody down. Wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing all that. That's really intense. And I really appreciate your honesty and vulnerability on a stage, on live stream. Hi, Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> so, man, what was, what was the moment where God's best came in and crashed in and did something? Well, there were, there were many in my life. Yeah. God picked me up and separated me from a physical space, and that was the start of something. Wow. And then there's been many iterations along the way to, to really help me kind of get to that next step for me. I can think about things like, you know, church camps and young lives and things that I physically wanted to really invest in because I knew that that was the direction I wanted to go. But in all honesty, it took the Jesus Lab wow. to really get me to that next step. Wow. And I mean that in all sincerity. This yeah. is not a shameless plug. He actually, <laughs> he actually was a stand-in. We, we, he came in last minute. We had someone else, and he came in on Friday. So all this was planned, so he's not making that up. Yeah. So what happened in the Jesus lab? Well, I don't think it's any coincidence that it's a nine-month process. <laughs> and there were some birthing pains that took place. Um, I was able to, to set aside some time to invest back into myself and some time that I was able to go meet God. Wow. And in those processes and in those experiences, God came back. I mean, he, he was obviously always there, but I, I, what was happening before is I was having an identity crisis. Yeah. I, I didn't really understand who I was supposed to be, and I was putting myself above God. Wow. I was my own idol, and I was living out of this fear, and what was being portrayed was this level of 
I have to be perfect. I have to yep. steward this per perfect world around me. Right. And it's so close to the truth, but it's a lie. Those are always the trickiest, right? Um, God wants you to lead in excellence, right. not in the perfection. And right. we, we spent one night talking about yep. that, and it was like a hammer hitting me over the head. And basically, I said, I'm doing things the wrong way. And so when I lowered myself so that God could really take the throne that he was meant to be all along, things started to change. Wow. So yeah. What changed? The culmination. I, the culmination is I can stay up at 2 a.m. and laugh in the spirit with my wife. Come on, somebody. <laughs> you want to hear your marriage? <laughs> laugh together in the spirit. Watch that happen. I, I, can, uh, I, can, I can smile. Yeah. You know, I have joy in my heart. I can... I can talk boldly uh, to others about, you know, who I am. I can, I can, I have let go of the old me, you know, wow. the person that I thought I had to be. Wow. Uh, I can stand here in front and I can pray for someone else yep. and watch them. I think God put me through all of those things so that I can, I can be a vessel for him. He's the one who led the guy to Jesus this morning in the first gathering. So come on. And wifey, is he lying about any of this? Or that's the real deal? Okay, I always ask the wife, because they know. They actually know. Ask my wife. She'll tell you about me. No, I know. <laughs> Thank you. So that's amazing, bro. I was actually going to invite her up, but hey. I wanted to honor you. Hey, so. well, she's here with us yeah. already. She, everybody feels her in the room when she walks in. It's good. <laughs> no, she's been a pivotal part of encouraging you along this way, obviously. Well, obviously, she's a gift. Yes. God sent her, and she was standing in my gap. When I couldn't wow. lead as a, as a father in our family, she was a spiritual leader. Wow. And she took that position, and I would hope to say that <clears throat> I hope she sees me as someone who now understands what it's like to have a relationship with God so that I can be the reflection for her and our, our kids. Yeah. Now you got to come up. Like, hug moment. Let's go. Absolutely. Come on, bro. So proud of you. Stay here so it's on live stream. Stay here. <laughs> We're not done yet. It's just come. Is that true? Do you see him that way? She said yes. Come on. Stay up here with us. Just take another seat. We're almost done. So just stand next to him. That'd be great. Thank you. She's also the prophetic art team leader. They, these two, they could run this place with their eyes closed. So it's awesome. So thank you for coming up. It's so amazing, right? So you're welcome. You're welcome. I know you don't mind that. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Every Sunday she's like this. So Daniel, if you were, you know, sitting across from someone, you shared your story, how would you invite them in? How would you ask them what's some ways you would... Yeah, uh, make that part happen. If you're ready to stop the cycle, all right, God is, he's whispering in your ear and has been all along. He's waiting. He has been passionately pursuing you yep. for all of your life, and he is ready for you to make that decision. And it, it, it's, it's, it can be easy. It's fearful. I know Uh Things may change, and that change is difficult, yep. but he is ready for you. Mm. He's got great things in store for you. Uh, your life will be changed in such a great way.
So good. Can we say thank you to Daniel for sharing today? Oh, my goodness. What I tell you, what I say. <laughs> so good. Could you do this all day? Could you listen? I mean, like, me too. That's what I'm saying. So good. We got one more if you want it. Even if you don't, here it comes. Let's welcome up Amber Sherwood this morning. Come on. Thank you for coming. Amber is amazing. Uh, she's the serve team leader of our human trafficking team and doing great things with that. But today is about your story. So how would you answer the question, what was your worst? What was that like? Yeah, well, good morning, everybody. There are actually some strong similarities um, to what was just shared. Our family has a testimony that actually involves every single one of us because we all took this journey together. And actually, as I sit here and speak to you all about the testimony that I have, my sister is being filmed by the 700 Club for the deliverance that she experienced, which I'll tell you guys about. Wow. It's amazing. But we grew up in a family where my father had a strong addiction to alcohol, and it was very destructive. One of my first memories actually involved me and my sister being hurriedly brought to mom's car by my brother while we were trying to escape a domestic violence incident involving my dad. I remember getting in that car with my sister in the back seat and then all of a sudden feeling like we were moving backwards down the driveway and another car came and smashed into us, backed up, smashed back into us several times. It was my dad trying to prevent us from leaving in his terrible drunken state, causing fear and turmoil and massive trauma to us. You know, that led to obviously their divorce and it created in most of us just this struggle to really know where God stood in all of it. Yeah. I'd always believed in Jesus. My mom never, ever, ever let us escape the ability to meet with him. She kept us in church. But then over time, my sister developed an addiction, a really powerful one. And it was so all-consuming for our family. It took us on a 10-year journey of fighting for her. And over that period of time, she became a teen mom. We came alongside her, helped raise her children. And over and over again, she would be in rehab. And I would say, Jesus, where are you in this? Right. You know, I was at the time going to a church that did not believe in the power of God, being able to change and set you free. That's, I mean, I just have to pause. Yeah. Sorry, but that's extremely common. Yeah. Um, and it's not, it's not spoken of, and it's not. So I know many have maybe had that experience. And so what in, in your, you're saying your mom wouldn't let you go. You had some element of believing in that power of God that was conflicting with that moment, right? Can you talk about yeah. just that? Like you're, just the dichotomy because you're like, God, you can do this, yeah. but she's struggling. What's happening? Yeah. You know, I don't know if you can speak to that a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I started to have what I know now to be prophetic dreams about what was going on with my sister. And having no grid for that, no language for it, no context for it, the Lord, thankfully, 
provided resources where that was an environment that was real. And over time, there was a breaking away of the idea of cessationism that I was being taught. And so finally, um, I began to pray bolder and bolder prayers. And I remember one time even drawing this circle with chalk in my driveway <laughs> and declaring, not even knowing like what I was doing. I just said, you know, chalk is from the Lord, by the way, <laughs> before you freak out, the devil created nothing. Chalk was made by oh, someone made by God. Okay, so you yes, said, please. you drew a circle and you I said. I said addiction cannot come into this house. Come on. It can't. It has no authority over this place. I didn't know back then that we could make such statements and move heaven on behalf of our family. But my sister, she would tell me later that she refused to walk through the circle I made and would start to go in through the back door. And I had no idea that it was really beginning to shake her and shake her. And I would have moments with her where I would sit and I would have, in the moment, even catching her in the use of substances. And I would say, God's not going to let you keep doing this. He's not going to let you keep doing this. He's never going to give up on you. And I didn't know why I even believed that. Ten years had passed. Her ex-husband died of a drug overdose. I didn't know why, but I knew that there was something more that he was going to do. And lo and behold, God blessed them. Lighthouse. This is God's best. Yes. So God's best comes in. Yes. What happened? Yes. So Lighthouse, which many of you may know, it's a church here in um, Tampa. Jenny got approached to go into the program, refused it the first time, but years later she accepted it. And I would go and I would visit her after we were allowed to have family visits. And Jennifer was not the same person. I have never, ever seen a transformation still to this day like what I saw in my sister's eyes. She knew the power of Jesus. She knew who he was in an intimate way. I was learning more from her than I was learning in my own church. And I was like, I got to get out of this church. There's way more to what Jesus we bless them, do. whoever they are, bless them. We want you to come up into this, not calling anyone out, calling them up in the spirit. Say amen. 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 First, you know, so I know her and I know what she's saying, but you might not know her and not know what she's saying. So being, being high plain. level of honor, yes. high level of honor, not upset. We want them to come into all of this. I know that we've talked about this personally, so I know this to be true. I just don't want anyone to mishear this and think you have the right to like, do something she's not doing, which is bash your former church. Like, get over yourself. You ain't perfect either. End of rant. All right. So. Amen. <laughs> it was all part of the process of learning. There was a, necess a necessary season in each and every place that yeah. the Lord took me to. So this is certainly not to discredit the experiences that I had. Yeah. And so I just knew that the Lord was calling me to understand more how he can heal, deliver. Right. But the prophetic was. And in my own life, in my own life, right, I realized how powerless I had felt about my own decisions. You know, the, the loss of a father figure um, caused me to, to feel just this lack of presence of a healthy male relationship. So I found myself, while my sister was dealing with her drug addiction, waking up to the toxicity of a relationship that I was in at the same time. And I felt freedom finally to leave that place. And it brought 
an entirely new life. So this would be God's culmination. Yeah, yeah, the, the culmination. culmination. The culmination of that was a fully delivered, fully healed, healed sibling. Jennifer was not just delivered of an addiction. There were diagnoses, mental health, physical diagnoses that she had been given. She got remarried. She's had two new babies. She has a completely transformed life and sets people free with what she has experienced all of the time. They are part of a massive ministry at their church, and they would be here today if they weren't filming for the 700. The 700, no big deal. Like, whatever. You know, our live stream's important too, but whatever. (laughs) No, that's a big deal. That's a massive audience, a massive audience to share that story with. So, yeah. 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 And so I don't mean to interrupt, but you're, so in that moment, you see your sister come out of that and everything. And what happens in in your heart as well? Because I know that's part of the. You see her get totally set free, all these things, yep. and what what comes forth, you know, in you personally as well. Yeah. So I believed in a miracle-working God that I didn't know before. And through the grace of that knowledge, I began to actually decide to take responsibility for spreading that wow. in the work of ministry with women. Yeah. So... I don't know if most of you know what I do. I'm a prosecutor for the state of Florida, and I do our crimes against children, and I do our human trafficking cases. And now when I sit down with people that are walking through these experiences that are so similar to what my sister lived, I can see them on the other side. I can see it already. And I believe that the Lord can anoint these women. And I believe that the Lord can change their lives. And I believe that the Lord has more for them and that nothing is lost in him. And so it has led to, you know, moments of just believing in the ministry and the power of Jesus. It has led to opportunities in the church to walk in the prophetic, to walk in healing. There was, there was a season, and I think that it depends on, you know, how the Lord wants to use us. But there was a time when I saw a massive move of miracles amongst a women's group that the Lord um, provided me with. And one of my friends, Leah, is here today visiting to, to hear me speak. But the Lord was moving through us. And that doesn't mean he's stopped. But the Lord gave opportunity to put on a platform his power through, through us because we believed because we believed. That's so good. And I just want to point out, like, this is your sibling's breakthrough was your breakthrough, yes. right? And the, her freedom was your freedom. And now it's flowing into so many others. And all of these, uh, these women and all of these testimonies. Isn't that amazing? Like, come on, let's say thank you, Jesus, for that. Wow. Yeah. So if you were just talking with someone and you got a chance to be a storyteller like this, and maybe for this long or maybe for shorter, how would you invite them in? What would the ask be like for them in this moment as they're obviously gripped? I mean, where I'm feeling gripped, uh, many of you I'm sure are like, wow, that's incredible. What would that invitation sound like? What would you do? Yeah. Well, I would, I would ask them, do you know the power of God in your life? Do you know that he wants to empower you? Do you know that he wants to use you? Do you know that your family member who you have been praying for for years, that he's heard your prayer? Do you know that all is not lost, that there is nothing more powerful than Jesus? And, and I would also add this. So I, I felt like this 
conversation that we were going to have this morning was something that was not just about those of us who have experienced testimony as a test that has given us this word for, for power to set others free. But I think that there's a group of us that feel retested in some way, wow. that feel like your testimony is actually being challenged again. And the Lord gave me this analogy before I was going to bed last night. I was like, I got to bring this up. And I was telling Caleb this morning, I was like, wow. You know, when I'm, when I'm doing jury selection at work, I always ask the jury pool, you know, is testimony evidence to you? Or do you need something like a video? Do you need something like DNA? Or is testimony going to be evidence to you? The law says it is. In a courtroom, once you testify and you're under oath, that gets transcribed later on. So if there's ever a retrial of a case because of a hung jury or if the appellate court says, nope, this needs to be handled a different way, you need to take it back to trial, that testimony transcript is evidence. It is permanently a part of that case. And we are accused over and over again by the enemy. And I, and I know that for me, this is so ironic that I'm sharing these things today because I have felt this testimony tested in the last couple of years. And the Lord said, Amber, tell them that there is a constitutional law that applies in the kingdom realm too. Come on. And it's called double jeopardy, you guys. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> you, <laughs> tell them. You, you cannot face trial again for the same thing you have already gone through. Come on. Okay. Come on. Your testimony is permanent. It's, it's evidence that the enemy, no matter how much he hates it, and he probably hates it a lot, he has to read what's already been written about you. It is done. It is done. And so in the courtroom where the blood is our salvation, yeah. where the accuser sits and makes threats about who you are, you can reread your transcript of your Come testimony. On. Come on. And he can't say a dang thing about it. Come on. Can we say thank you to Amber for that? It's so good. And would you all stand, please? We're going to close. Man, that was good. Do you feel like you could do that? You feel like you could share your story? Yeah? Come on. Yes or no? Yes? Okay. You can do this. You can do this. You should start asking yourself questions. What is my worst? What was that? What was God's best? What, was, what came of it? How would I ask somebody? Start preparing this because the minute you prepare, God is going to prepare someone else to hear it. And he already has prepared many. There are people around you every day that need to hear your story. And you get to play a part in throwing the enemy down. I love it. Legal authority, setting in evidence by reading it out loud. It's so good. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.